Hello and welcome to Neuroshambles, the podcast that aims to shine a light into some of the murkier corners of what it's like to parent neurodivergent kids. I'm Mark Allen, and every episode I'm going to be swapping stories with my guests about some of the frankly ludicrous nonsense we have to deal with on a daily basis. So, if you're anything like me and you're feeling frazzled, overwhelmed and pretty much an outcast from polite society, join me. Hello and welcome to episode seven of Neuro Shambles. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Um, obviously, the definition of what good constitutes is flexible in our world, but um, nevertheless, hope you managed to get through it all okay. Um, now, we have got a cracking episode coming up for you. I'm very excited to introduce a special guest for this show. We're also going to be looking at uh, neurodiversity champions, what the flip coming up um also we've got some tiny epic wins and i'm going to be speaking to our very special guest uh, about the subject of honesty something that you may or may not have felt yourself challenged by this christmas uh when asked particularly difficult questions about the provenance of santa maybe either way what i should do is stop prattling and crack on with the show so here it is meet the guest so I am very excited to introduce our guest for episode seven of Neuro Shambles. Um, so this is someone who came to to my attention when someone said, this book's come out and it's amazing and it totally says everything that I want to read, but not in a boring way. And it was uh, and, and it was Your Child Is Not Broken by Heidi Maver. And I am delighted to welcome Heidi onto the show. Heidi, welcome. Hiya. Thanks for having me. That's you're more than welcome. So this is this is your book. This is the one that I read. Your child is not broken. You can see uh, there's a coffee ring on it. So that shows you it's nice. very well used. Nice. Um, it's useful not only um, to kind of help parents of neurodivergent kids uh, navigate their world without losing their brains, um, but also uh, if your children are the type of children that throw coasters across the room and you don't have one to hand. <laughs> multifunctional it's very absorbent <laughs> so um it's something for everyone so uh, not only to, is is Heidi an author uh Heidi is also a public speaker and uh, set up EOTAS matters which is fantastic EOTAS if you're not familiar with the phrase is uh Heidi EOTAS uh, yeah is an abbreviation for education otherwise than at school so it's something that's made possible for children and young people through the EHCP process in England whereby if it's inappropriate for a child or a young person to be educated in a school or college setting, you can um, use this piece of legislation to get them a bespoke package of education to learn away from an educational setting, which a lot of our kids need at some point during their careers, particularly if they're autistic or PDA. So that's the work that I do, supporting parents and carers to yeah. navigate that system. Which is wonderful, because uh, Tam is actually a, an EOTAS tutor. Nice. Uh, so Tam goes into kids' homes and, and tutors them in science. Brilliant. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And they're getting a lot out of it and the kids are getting a lot out of it. So, um, yeah, hugely um, appreciative of everything that the OTAS kind of represents, really. So before we kind of start on our topic of the week, obviously it's important for us to have an understanding of your particular setup. My or... God, how long have you got? Okay, so we're all the isms, all the ics <laughs> in our house. Uh, okay. So my son Theo is now 19, um, but he crashed out of school when he was 15, and we then were on that like roller coaster of working out what that was all about. So since then, 
He has been diagnosed autistic and ADHD. He has a tick disorder. Right. Since that? Since then. We didn't know. Okay. We thought he was one of the normals. Um, <laughs> we thought I was too. Wow. Oh, the hilarity, how we laughed. Um, I know. I've given up second guessing anything anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. So, since then, he's been diagnosed autistic ADHD. I have too. He also has a tick disorder. He has um, hypermobility, probably Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, he has dyspraxia, dyslexia, all the ears. Um, he's a little bundle of fiery, spiky brain. And the reason we didn't clock it before was because I am too. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where we're at. Wow. Okay. Your neuroshambolic household must be an absolute absolute joy to navigate it's a fucking but, um, shambles mark that's it's a shambles <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's nice but, now you know, that we know why like it's all my I house is always it, been chaos and an absolute shambles but now i get to blame it on something other than just being a useless human it's not just blame though isn't it i guess that you also sort of learn strategies because like oh that's what my brain's doing yeah or, or that's how they're perceiving this situation. So let's change the way that this situation is is handled. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, well, I mean, from my point of view, you know, I am uh, undiagnosed neurotypical. <laughs> so um, I'm sort of, I bang myself up against this all the time. I go, oh, I'm wrong in this household because everyone else, to be honest, is seeing things in a different point of view. So I've got, I've got to navigate things differently. So you're the odd one out. I am. Uh, there, there is a Chinese saying, uh, 99 monkeys without noses laugh at the monkey with a nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically how it feels in my house. <laughs> <laughs> that you're a monkey with a nose. <laughs> I, I'm, the, I'm the monkey with a nose being laughed at by all the noseless monkeys. Yeah. yeah and who's to say <laughs> that monkeys need noses anyway? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Smelling's overrated. That is a different episode. What's the topic of the week? So the topic of this week is the subject of honesty, because I think one of the very best things about my autistic kids, and I guess with a lot of autistic kids in general, is that they can be steadfastly and unflinchingly honest, which is <laughs> not always welcome. Um, but I, I think it's a it's a laudable trait in these these times where uh, it seems that truth and honesty is bewilderingly kind of uh, expendable so what I, I like the fact that, that my kids can be honest but that also uh, is slightly mortifying in social situations I'd let's say uh, is that something that you kind of had with Theo you say slightly mortifying utterly horrifying <laughs> deeply embarrassing yes. yes and just like proper world open me up and swallow me whole situations <laughs> yes more so when he was younger I think I think he's a little bit older now and he and I had a conversation about it this morning actually and uh, about honesty and I realized that he has a much more nuanced relationship with honesty than he used to but when he was okay. young oh my god like completely unfiltered brutal honesty in almost every <sighs> situation and interaction with any other human being including me um yes yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially especially the the parents. I think I, I may, I, maybe that is just because we feel a bit safer. I mean, we'll get onto some of the things that Jade has uh, <laughs> leveled at me mm-hmm. um, in terms of honesty. But uh, so I, I'm quite interested to to hear that Theo's got a more nuanced take on it now. Because Theo's 19, right? He's 19. Yeah. 
so I'm 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 sort of looking to that and going, oh, maybe maybe my children's <laughs> relationship with honesty will evolve over time because at the moment it is, uh, you know, they, they are unflinchingly honest, um, and partly it's there's an aversion to lying there. Yeah, I think um, they don't like. Uh, other people lying because I guess you know it's it's confusing say what you mean right 100% and I think there's that also that massive sense of justice that we have in in neurodivergent people in general but particularly kids and young people whereby there's a need for truth and honesty because maybe the nuance of social interactions are a little bit more complicated for us and so we rely on people being honest to be able to work out what's going on and so yes. I think that being lied to or things not being truthful is a danger to us because it puts us in a position of disadvantage because we can't or are unable to or don't have the skills to or just don't operate on the level of having to unpick other people's bullshit all the time. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, yeah, I think there's a huge like attachment to honesty in neurodivergent kids especially. Yes, a reliance on it, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think it's wrong either. <laughs> I think, like, I don't disagree. No, not at all. And there's, there's so many sort of um, unwritten social rules, though, that that rely on a kind of a flexibility around truth, I guess, mm. and, and, and honesty. So last year we went to see... Uh, my neighbor Totoro, the stage show in London last year, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's really into pseudo Ghibli and that kind of thing. It's one of his special interests. So we got to it's at the Barbican, and I wanted to get to the Barbican early. I don't know if you know the Barbican, mm-hmm. uh, but it is just like a. I mean, for for a kid with ADHD, <laughs> it's like a wonderland. It's on loads of different levels. It's a rabbit warren, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, you know what? Let's get there early. It was a relaxed performance, so I'm not going to be judged by other people because I'm sure there will be other similar kids there. So I wanted to get there early, and he could, you know, and then we're not going to be late, and he's just going to enjoy the Barbican before the show, and also expend some of the energy that he's got. Um, and we get to the Barbican, and I come out, and um, I'm greeted by someone who wants to get me to sign up to his charity. Right. right. So he's got his clipboard and it's some something to do with water. I'm not like I'm I'm sure it's really important. In the in the scheme of the world, it is definitely worthy and you're doing a fantastic job. But right now I've got some one-on-one time with my kid out of the house doing something he wants to do. This is golden time for me. Yeah. It is not the time for me to stop and talk to you about your charity. I'm a, I'm sorry. So I tried to get rid of him by just going, sorry, it's it's not a good time. It it's his first time in London and we're going to explore. And he just stopped he went, hang on daddy. This is not my first time in London. I've been in London loads of times. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? And, and the guy sort of, he looked at me and went, oh, so he's telling fibs, is he? <laughs> and then you look like an absolute maniac. <laughs> Why would you lie about your child never having been to London before? No, exactly. And it, now it looks like I've abducted him or something. We live in London, Daddy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, so I mean, I'm not going to say like, sorry, mate, but my kid is autistic with a heavy dose of ADHD. Yeah. Your charity might be the most worthy cause in the world at the moment, but if I start talking to you in any detail, he's going to be flapping and spinning and fidgeting in the entrance of this busy tube station, and none of us need that. Can I just go about my business? Yeah, uh, that is 
probably what I should have said. Well, you also that thing about like the honest answer would have been, I'm sorry, mate, I just don't want to talk to you. But you're not allowed to I do know. that, are you? But I am crippled with neurotypicality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to, yeah, I can't hurt his feelings. Like, I, I, I mean, not that it would, because he must get all kinds of stuff. Of course. Right? Of course, like that, it's, that requirement to be, um, you know, to stay in social safety with other people and to not put yourself in a position where you potentially could be considered rude or ostracized or, you know, at the very worst, like in terms of like a pack animal mentality, if you don't fit in, you get ejected. Right. So it's absolutely a, it's a threat yeah, to yeah. life. So you have to learn to assimilate. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, no one wants to be alone and that's potentially the risk. So, yeah, it makes total sense. But it it's so does, funny that, that, that him saying, I've, I've been to London many times. I've done with a charity uh, on the street thing before and at the yeah. front door. I've done the whole, oh, no, I, I actually already give. And he's okay, corrected yeah. me before. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's not charitable. We, we're, we're far too broke to give to charity, mum. <laughs> That's the honest answer. Let's... <laughs> You don't prioritise yeah. other people's suffering. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> You're dealing with your own suffering, Mummy. Yeah. We don't care about other people. We have no empathy. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it is like I get, he doesn't understand the nuance of why I'm saying what I'm saying at the time. And um, maybe that's a lesson for me to just be a bit more honest up front. And, you know. I think there's like, I've learned a lot about my relationship with honesty through parenting Theo. Like I write okay. about it in the book. I, as a child, I was like a award-winning liar. I really? Um, like it was part of my masking. It was part yeah, of, of course, my, of course. Um, hiding my neurotype was that I just assimilated so much that I just was ne hardly ever truthful about anything. So I guess it goes the other way, doesn't it? Like as an unrecognized, undiagnosed autistic child, the only way to get by was to lie my socks off. I'm, I've never thought about that. That's a really interesting take yeah. on, on the fact that, that neurodivergent kids don't, are averse to lying, but mask. Or yeah, but then by. the difference is I don't think that we, well, we definitely don't know we're masking. You know, it's a survival no. technique and it's not mm -hmm. intentional and it's not dishonest. It's a coping strategy and it's a survival yes. technique. Yes. Which I think probably is why, because we have to do that, we just require a level of honesty from other people in order to just get by, especially people who we trust. And I think that's why our children especially find it particularly difficult when they see us not being honest, either with them or with other people, because it shakes their foundations. You know, it kind of yes. like it challenges what they think about the world. And, and, you know, and I guess, you know, one of the things that people say about autistic people all the time is that kind of like that black and white thinking. And, you know, either something is true or it's not true. And so I think for a lot of our kids, as they're learning that that is not necessarily the case, and that does evolve, I think, as they get older, but part of it's either true or it isn't true requires to know whether someone is being truthful or not being truthful. Otherwise you're stuffed, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that oh. it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I can't, I, yeah, now made me made me feel horrible for shaking Jay's foundations. <laughs> you know, it's all part of the learning to manage in a world not built for us, right? So there is a requirement if we're going to manage in as a minority to understand what the majority rules are. Yeah. And one of the majority rules is sometimes you lie. 
Yes, but but there and there are different reasons for do, for doing so. Um, and, yes, and that that's that that's where the nuance is, right? I mean, it, that's where you sort of so, for example, you sometimes little white lies are actually kind of part of the um, the sort of oil that helps social communication sometimes it's that you you need to you need to sometimes lie in order to spare people's feelings and that is not something that my kids are on board with at all if you've ever listened to this podcast uh, you will realize that that jay is particularly forthright in the not sparing my feelings um (laughs) so like it is a daft rule though isn't it it, it's a daft rule that that in order to fit in we have to be dishonest Yeah, this is something I spoke to another guest of ours, uh, Liam Malone. Um, when we, I was having a conversation with him about it, um, and he was he was saying that he hates the word respect, as in show me respect, mm-hmm. because it doesn't mean anything. Be respectful means nothing to him. He was like, what, what is that? Nothing. That's a vague word. Um, and if you are actually being tr- truthful about what that is, what you're saying is you don't want me to tell the truth because you want to spare, you want me to spare your feelings. Um, if, mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And I was like, I've never thought about it like that. So, so Liam is neurodivergent as well. Um, so uh, it was really interesting to kind of have that conversation about these woolly terms, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and to... I have a similar relationship with the word inappropriate. Okay. Yes. Like, I hate it when people say that's inappropriate. Yes, absolutely. But according to whom? Yeah. Uh, uh, what would appropriate be? Who says? Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Your rules for what is appropriate uh, just make no sense. Oh, to me. I went to look at secondary schools for Jay, and one school I went into, he was trying to sort of explain how inclusive they were as a school. Uh, and he went, because, mm-hmm. you know, some kids here find it uh, easy to behave well, and some find it more difficult to behave well. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm bringing my child to this school. Get your coat, we're out here. Exactly, like, difficult to behave well. What do you mean by well? Behave what? Who's who's setting the boundaries of what well is? Yeah. Uh, Cut to you and Jay running from the building. <laughs> literally, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing about sparing people's feelings and, and little white lies is so alien to people who don't really have... Uh, empathy i guess is is part of part of that as well of not really understanding how their words can affect other people so therefore why yeah. should they not be honest i think the thing as well i was talking to theo about empathy this morning because i think actually the notion that autistic people don't have empathy is a is a massive massive it is lie. no yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> like, it's not true um but actually i think it's a scale so theo was saying this morning in terms of the definition of empathy I do not know how someone else is feeling. And I think it's actually dishonest to say that anyone would ever know how someone else is feeling. How could you? So the notion of empathy in and of itself is flawed because how would you ever know how someone else is feeling? And I was like, ooh. It, it, it is interesting. <laughs> I, um, the, the concept of emotional intelligence kind of comes into it, isn't it? I guess, and that you're sort mm. of picking up on what other people are putting out in terms of... Um, uh, non-verbal communication. So you you tell you're talking yeah. to someone, and you can see they're tensing up. Um, and if you are, you know, if you are kind of open to that sort of uh, those non-verbal signs, then you can go. Ah, what I'm saying right now is not going down well. I might just back up on criticizing their shoes or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, whereas it was 
you know, my kids don't have that. So Jay, for example, <laughs> once I made the mistake of asking him how I looked. <laughs> And he went, you look okay. It's just your trousers and your face I don't like. <laughs> it's like Theo once said to me, I said, does this dress make my boobs look big? And he said, no, your massive boobs make your boobs look big. The dress is fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, it's not a magic dress, mum. <laughs> I mean, I've learned to just not ask the questions now. Basically. Yeah, don't ask if you don't want the answer. Exactly That's, right. Yeah. You know, yeah, and there's, there, there are other ones where, like, um, and this sort of ties in with small talk as well. Because um, I've got, I've got a theory that, <laughs> that, that, like, my kids are not very good at small talk. They don't get it. Um, and I think that's not a, an unfamiliar kind of trait of, oh, of a, a lot of autistics. It's a waste of time. <laughs> because, and again, it's all part of that sort of um, in unwritten social lubrication social niceties like. yeah. yes exactly mm-hmm. uh and but if you think about it small talk is fundamentally dishonest in that you would say i would say oh how was your day to someone i don't actually want to know how their day was you know I've, i'm just it's just me just going hey as a human i'm reaching out to you to pretend that i care and then you will go fine thanks how was yours and i'll say fine and then it's like okay now we've got that bit over with let's get to, down to business um and but i let's, find my let's talk about the weather on the way there obviously yeah, exactly like, yeah. we can both see what the weather's doing we don't need to discuss it um or how close I, it is to christmas or <laughs> there's so many yeah but it is it, it serves a function for neurotypicals a sense of connection i guess i don't know i can't explain it. it's a social um, oil isn't it and i think yes. one of the things with small talk is that it gives you time to read another person's nonverbal skill communication. Mm-hmm. So small talk gives you a period of safety where you can work out if a person is going to be your kind of person or not, based on all those nonverbal cues and all that other stuff, that energy and all of that, that it basically is just thinking time for, is this person a twat or not? <laughs> we just asked that question at the outset. Yeah. Whereas autistic people are just like... Um, are you going to be interested in me talking about, uh, you know, whatever it might be that is my passion or my hobby? If you're not, then I'm not interested in talking to you. So let's just, or do we have some shared ground we can find? Like my friend Christy Forbes always says, you know, autistic people make connection by talking about their shared trauma. It's yes. like, okay. cut the bullshit. Let's just talk about how terrible our lives are. And then that'll be our common ground. Yes. Um, Instead know. of something so broad as you know, the weather or the time of year. If we've get, both been yeah. out to the same place on holiday or whatever it might be. And I think the small talk thing is, like you were saying, it, it is fundamentally dishonest because it doesn't tell you anything about the other person. In real terms, it gives you time if you have the skills to read nonverbal communication. But if you don't yes. have the skills in reading nonverbal communication, why would you waste your time? Just get yeah, to the Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. And I, mm. I find myself sometimes doing it with, my kids and regretting it immediately and, and i sh- and I, I kick myself for doing it every time but like when when i pick them up from school and i go how is how is school that's a, because otto will tell me in, in extreme detail um about a game of football that he played at lunchtime and what what goals he scored and what goals other people scored and it's like i don't actually want to know sorry i, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have opened this kind of worms so i'm just trying to get you in the car to get home because i've got to get back to work right yeah <laughs> um yeah. and uh similarly with jay he will tell me in in again in extreme detail uh but about all the shit he's had to endure that day and again I, I'm really glad that he's 
open to talking to me about that but it's not the time or the place um so i'm i need to i mean tam and i've had a conversation about just that's a question that we're not going to ask now we don't ask <laughs> how was school because w- at, at the time that we ask it is not appropriate uh, speaking of what's yeah. inappropriate and what's appropriate yeah um but it isn't for our situation what yeah. what's much better is to take some time when they're a bit more regulated and it's just me and me and them and then go you know then I can say to Otto tell me about the goal you scored today and it's a much more kind of directed conversation and it's much more meaningful to him or similarly because you can give him back what he needs while he's sharing that stuff rather than the alternative which is that you just learn to zone out and make listening noises which I think lots of us do I know I know regardless of Uh, their neurotype um probably as a survival mechanism but it is, <laughs> you know, yeah. from, from your brain exploding from hearing the same story for the millionth time he was saying to me this morning we were talking about it in the car and he said uh he used this lovely term which i mentioned to you which was lies of convenience where um he said to me sometimes someone will say to me <laughs> have you watched this film and I'll just say yes, because <laughs> I just think, well, no, I haven't. I'm not going to. And I don't really want to hear about it. So if I say yes, then they can just get it out of their system and tell me what they want to tell me about it. They'll probably tell me what their favorite part is. I just agree that it's my favorite part, too. And then we can move on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like that. The lot li- like, of convenience. Yeah. I'm like, that works. Why <laughs> would you want to be stuck in a conversation about a film you have no intention of watching? And you have no interest in, you know, I mean, I get that some people would be like, well, he might learn something from this other film. He's very particular in the kind of films he watches and he will know exactly whether he'll want to watch it or not. And you can guarantee that whatever film you recommend to him, he will know whether it's his kind of film or not. He's very filmy, very TV ish. Yes. So when someone says, have you seen a film he has no interest in seeing? He'll just say, yeah, (laughs) because it's a shortcut (laughs) because then he knows that he can get onto talking about something he does want to talk about. Um, and that, and he said to me this morning, the thing is, mum, they feel good because they feel like we've made a connection and I've won some points in passing as a normal. And then we can have a conversation about something I really want to speak about. And then they can really get to know me. So everyone wins. And I'm like, <laughs> makes sense, mate. Fair it enough. Does. He's got the answers. That's Lies it. of convenience. So, I mean, that was, that was one of the things I was kind of quite interested in as well, that, that um, you know, for, for neurodivergent kids who don't like lying it makes them feel uncomfortable i know that mm-hmm. mine do generally um they do try and lie i mean mine certainly do and it sounds like theo's got got it nailed <laughs> which is i good mean he mine. hasn't i can tell <laughs> oh really does he try it on he then? thinks i can't tell but i can tell like so he's what got the, some massive tells what what are his tells <laughs> one of his tells when he's lying is that he makes eye contact <laughs> That, that happens with Otto as well. Yeah, I and know. you're like, oh, eye contact. We don't do that in this house. What's going on? Yeah, that's definitely an Otto thing as well. Like when he looks at me, because he's really like wide eyed as well, because it's not really intense and really like, yeah. and no, he really. But also, he, I mean, he doesn't. I said to him this morning, you don't really lie, do you? And he was like, yeah, I do. I was like, oh, okay. I was kind of a bit touched that he was that he was able to do that. I was a bit like, oh, go you. Look at you Aww. operating in a, in a dishonest world. <laughs> so proud, you little fibber. You Maybe know, that but, was a lie. <laughs> I mean, but he, um, he, he, I can tell when he's not being honest. Yes. But, but it rarely happens, to be honest, because he is generally very honest. He, like, I think he has got, and I think this is something that, 
as younger as a younger child he didn't have this nuance and and now he's an adult and he's learned a lot more about you know his own neurotype which is really helpful and other people's communication styles and all of that stuff he does know about lies of convenience and he's worked out a way to make that work for himself but when he was younger like it was so obvious and he would lie about things that were so obviously <laughs> massive fibs like i he told me this morning oh do you remember when the router stopped working and i was like yeah and he was like and i said i didn't know what it was and and i was like yeah he goes yeah i, I spilled a cup of soup on it oh. and i was like you did not <laughs> he was like yeah i think that was my first lie <laughs> Really? Oh man, he can trace back his first <laughs> surprise, like, my first lie. Wow. My, his first intentional, I'm going to be dishonest about this because uh, I've learned that sometimes that's the way to do it. But was it a you lie know? as in you said, do you know what's happened to the router? Or was it, did you spill this cup of soup on a router? There wasn't evidence of cup of soup <laughs> okay, spillage. Okay. <laughs> so he'd, he'd amazingly Because there's only you two of, in the house. So it's... <laughs> yeah. He'd amazingly had some kind of uh, revelation whereby he learned for that 30 seconds how to clean up after himself only for that 30 <laughs> seconds um but yeah I, he was i was like what's wrong with the router he's like i don't know mom it's just stopped working and, and he didn't like, make oh, eye contact you're like okay this passes yeah <laughs> like it was convincing and i didn't know until this morning <laughs> that's what happened yeah so i think that's i, I think that there are <laughs> Yes, I don't think it's fair to say that, that neurodivergents don't lie. Like Jade, for example, will lie if it directly benefits himself. Uh, but sure. it's usually very easy to disprove. <laughs> so yeah. Normally he'll go, oh, yeah, mummy said I could have some more screen time. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay, well, mummy's in the next room. So shall I just ask them? Okay. <laughs> or um, he'll say to me, you promised. And I'll be like, I don't think I did. Yeah, no, you did. You promised. I'd be like, no, no, I'm sure I didn't. Yeah, you did. You definitely promised. And I and I now have to be like, because he'll sometimes catch me. He'll be like, do you promise? I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I promise. I'm like, fuck, I've promised now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I do so that I have to well. really catch myself and not promise things because then I'm able to say to him, I did not promise. Like, that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> I mean, Otto is... Well, both of them actually uh, crumble quite easily when they're confronted with a, with a lie as well. When they're caught um, in a lie. Yeah, when they're caught in a lie, it's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, Jay sometimes tells me just because he wants to show that he'd managed to lie and he was being clever. Um, Otto is is takes literally just the raise of an eyebrow and he'll crumble. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll try something and I'll say, uh, were you watching YouTube in your room when I said you couldn't? And he'll go, no, daddy. And then I'll raise an eyebrow. And he went, okay, yeah, yeah, I was. I was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't Busted. mean to. <laughs> exactly. He'd be like the worst under interrogation. He would crumble so easily. <laughs> if he was in a police interrogation, he'd be giving names and dates and fucking shoe sizes, anything. He's singing like a canary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think as well, unknowingly or maybe knowingly, I don't know, whatever it was. Um, when he was younger, I hammered home to him the importance of honesty. Oh, like, okay. you will get in more trouble for lying and being caught than for just being honest. Yes. And so, for me, him being as honest as the day is long was not a massive surprise to me because I trained him into it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? So, but, I mean, yeah. And by all means, take the credit. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, well. absolutely. It's it, it's my expert parenting. 
He's not actually autistic. It's just that I'm a really excellent mum. <laughs> exactly. You just focus on that one thing and absolutely <laughs> yeah. fucking smashed it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Box off. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of true of all parents saying to their kids not to lie. But it is one thing that uh, seems to stick with with the autistic community. Um, yeah. I mean, India, uh, suspected neurotypical, that is slightly wavering day by day at the moment um but but uh india definitely presents the most neurotypically i think i can definitely say that in our household um and she will she's quite a good liar she, she won't crumble she? under under interrogation at all she'll double down uh yeah. which is is worrying <laughs> i'll be honest i prefer the other way um i mean but... she's probably got a bright future ahead of her in either acting or politics because there's one thing being honest and um there's another thing knowing when to not be honest i think when to Mm. actually not say anything and otto doesn't have that off switch so i've been in situations (laughs) where he's just because he talks he just talks so much um (laughs) and he tends to adhd as well yeah 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 they are both autistic adhd and um and ADHD presents more acutely in certain situations. Um, yeah. And he he is getting into tennis, right? And it's like, brilliant, you've got an interest. Let's go. Let's do something outdoors with other people. Uh, and so I take him to tennis once a week. And he plays with a, a mixture of, of different kids. All, you know, like they're eight. So they're, you know, they're just hitting the ball backwards and forwards. And some are better at it than others. But Otto narrates it all the time. And when he gets paired with this specific kid... He is brutal um, because he doesn't keep it in, right? So he's he's playing and then he's going, oh, that was a terrible shot. <laughs> that was miles out. He's like, he's saying it to this kid who's just, you know, like spammed it into the into the net or something like that. Um, he's down the other of the cock going, what a load of shit. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> but also really loudly. So not only Bless can this him. other kid hear it, but his dad can hear it. And I'm stood next to his dad. <laughs> Yeah, painful. And, and it is like, and after about 10 minutes of Otto berating this other kid for not being very good. And to be fair, he does it to himself as well. He does it when he does a bad shot, but he has no filter. So he just lets yeah. it out. And after about 10 minutes of this, the dad, the dad turned to me and he went, he's very expressive, isn't he? <laughs> expressive <laughs> yeah and i didn't really know what to go so like, yeah i'm sorry and i think at that point i was like yeah he's autistic so he doesn't really have a filter you're welcome also you <laughs> yeah, hit shit yeah. tennis he needs to know though let's face it this kid this kid he's not got a career in this come on have you considered football <laughs> <laughs> so another thing i wanted to look at is the um is the positive side of not lying um mm. because that's definitely you know it is it is an admirable quality uh in in you know neurodivergent kids is i can i can genuinely rely on my kids to tell me the truth in a, in a situation so yeah. if jay and otto are playing in a room <laughs> and otto starts crying this happens a lot basically uh because he's he's very susceptible to pain and Jay is very impervious to uh, boundaries, <laughs> I guess. Is, that was is me the and my brother. My brother's like, used to 
beat seven shades of shit out of him. No, it, but he doesn't see. Uh, uh, yeah, he doesn't. He's not actually trying to properly damage him. He's just a bit rougher than he needs to be, I think. Yeah. Um, but there are times where I'll go in and I will say, OK, Jay, tell me what happened. And he. And I know that what's going to come out of his mouth is actually what happened. He's not going to yeah. lie to me. So he, he, I'll say, what happened, Jay? Anyway, go, Otto was annoying me. I told him not to. He carried on. So I kicked him in the stomach. <laughs> it's like, okay. Fair play. Well, okay. So do you know what I mean? You're not just saying nothing. You're telling me what happened. I know that this is the truth. At least I know how to navigate this situation now. Um, but he also does genuinely seem surprised that I'm then taking Otto's side in this situation <laughs> which is frustrating yeah. it's like you know he, I think he half expects me to go oh that's fair play then why not <laughs> carry on <laughs> um but at least I know that one of the things that one of the benefits of having a, a young person who is not in the lying game <laughs> unless it's you know a lie of convenience to save everyone's feelings is that you know, and we've had a hell of a battle getting what he needs in terms of accommodations yeah. in mm -hmm. school and what have you. Wrote a book, don't know if you know about it. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that's been a real, like, something I can kind of, like, pin stuff on is I know he doesn't lie about stuff. Yeah. So when they say things that, you know, he'll come home and uh, when he was really struggling in school, he'd come home and he'd say, you know, the teacher was, they shouted at me and they made me look stupid in front of everyone in the class. Um. And then I'd go back, you know, and school would say there was an incident and this happened and that happened. And I'd be like, well, look, Theo is a lot of things, but he, he rarely, if ever, lies. And he's told me this is what happened. And but, but the challenge in that, I, like I, I was able to, you know, when he was telling me what he was experiencing. Yeah. There was something about. I know that that was his truth. Yes. Now, maybe other people might not have read it the same way. Maybe that teacher didn't think they were shouting in his face and making him look and feel stupid because we do know that different people's perceptions of these things, especially neurotypical kids mm -hmm. can be very different. So Theo has, um, for sure picks up on people's frustrations and it feels to him like he's being shouted at or people are raising their voices when perhaps they're not, but he's picking up on their frustration. He is actually reading nonverbal cues, mm -hmm. but he interprets that as being shouted at. But yes. I was able to, knowing that that was his genuine experience, I was able to say to people, look, you may not see that this way, but how he experiences it is X, Y, and Z. And that's what you're going to have to make accommodations for. Yes. And he's being so, honest about how he experiences yeah. it. Yeah. So there is that kind of like, I mean, sometimes there have been situations where he's been truthful and someone else has been absolutely dishonest. And I've been able to go, he doesn't lie. Therefore, you're lying. But then there is also something about, because I know that he is honest with me about what is going on for him, I can, in firm confidence, say to people, this is his experience. And I know that I'm advocating for him honestly and truthfully. And that's valuable. You know, there's, there's a yeah, real absolutely. plus point mm -hmm. with that. Um, and one of the things I think that's the biggest challenges for parents of kids who maybe are unwell or in burnout or experiencing high levels of masking or whatever is that sometimes you're the only person that that child is is honest with about their experiences and that is really difficult yeah um when you're getting from everyone else but they seem fine or they've never shown me that or whatever it might be but i think there is an absolute bonus of the positives of not lying is that is that you can trust that what your kid is telling you is happening is their experience is is honest it's their account yeah and also, like, he's freaking hilarious. He says. 
<laughs> never ceases to have me in absolute stitches just with his beautiful honesty about things. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, just... I've, I've actually wheeled my children out before to, to be honest with people who need it. <laughs> Like my, yeah. like my my mate was like I'm I'm not sure about him. I think he was having a bit of a crisis of confidence about his hair because he got grey in his hair and he's like I, I I don't know if my hair's kind of grey now my kids say that it's sort of light brown but I think it's grey I was like let me bring out the big guns to establish this <laughs> here's my <laughs> so human lie detector I wheeled, I wheeled out Otto and Jay and they went yeah it's grey with bits of brown it's like right case closed what next. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, <laughs> I should rent them out. Actually, that'd be weird. <laughs> like, cause like, more, more, more. Um, like they could be like bullshit monitors, couldn't they? They're like, yeah. like more effective than a polygraph. I think. <laughs> yep, lying. Fashion, fashion consultants. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, and that's how do I look? Thing is, yeah, that's the funny thing is that although our kids are accused of not having social skills, they are really good bullshit monitors. Yeah, like, exactly. They can see it from a hundred miles away. You know, and they know when the people are trying to trick them. You know, they might not be able to articulate it always, or they might not even be able to put their finger on it. But generally speaking, if my kid goes, mm, that person gives me the ick, it's usually a good indication <laughs> that that person's a bit icky. There's a difference between honesty and brutal honesty. And uh, yeah. very often I'm on the receiving end of brutal honesty. Um, so, and Jay in particular is incredible at this. So I get some things like um, Jay uh, once just went, oh, your breath smells, daddy. No wonder you wear so much aftershave. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, dude. <laughs> just he said to me before, are you going to have a bath? You smell of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll get right on that. Thanks, mate. The answer to that question is, yes, I'm going to have a bath. But you could have maybe done something a bit more tactful. Yeah. Um, so in terms of brutal honesty, uh, I can definitely rely on Jay to be brutally honest. And one of my quite a significant moment in my life was when I was driving along and all the kids were in the car. And there was me and Tam and Otto and India and Jay in the car. And he's looking out the window. And he was thinking about it, something for a while. And then he turned to me and went, Daddy, you used to be a stand-up comedian, but now you're just a boring data guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I nearly had to pull over. It was like, <laughs> exactly. Like, he, you know, I think everyone has this little kernel of something, some self-awareness in their soul that they, they're aware of and they kind of cover up and they hope that no one notices. And he, he'd looked into my very soul and he pulled it out and he held it out in front of me and the whole family and everyone laughed. And it was just, it was brutal. And I, I think if you try and find the origin story of this podcast... Uh, <laughs> You could probably trace it back to the, that very moment in the car where I'm like, I'm not just a boring data guy now. I am the number 124th ranked podcast in Hungary for parenting. <laughs> so there. Uh, yeah, so it's brutal. It's brutal. The <laughs> You reminded me of something then when you were saying, oh, he said, he said something to me pretty heartbreaking, actually. And he was being honest and... Yeah. He said, he said to me, uh, when he was getting ready to turn 18, say getting ready to, it was happening whether he needed it, wanted it to or not. He wasn't really that keen on it. 
And he was like quite anxious about it. And I was like, mm -hmm. what's going on? Why are you so anxious about it? Most, most people are excited to be an adult. And he was like, thing is, mum, when you're an autistic kid, you're really cute and people think you're kind of adorable. When you're an autistic adult, people think you're weird and like to avoid you. <laughs> and I was oh, like, oh, I mean, you're not wrong, but my God. And like, that was a moment when I was like, oh God, that, yeah. that, that kind of that's, stings a bit. Yes, um, that's your brutal honesty uh, reality yeah. check. Yeah. But he wasn't doing yeah. it to to hurt you, right? Because it, no, wasn't not about, at all. it wasn't about you. It was about, you know, his reflections. But again, he's not really understanding of how that's perceived by you at that time. Because you are the old. Yeah. 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 In brackets, you're really weird, by the way. <laughs> Close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> but also it was just, you know, he. I don't think that he, I don't think he's wrong, to be honest. Like there is something about that. We infantilize autistic people and... We have lots of conversations about autistic kids and we have very few conversations about autistic adults. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. We're, I less, mean, we're less palatable. People don't really know what to do with us. <laughs> well, I think I'm, I hope that, that that changes over time as people become kind of more aware of, of autism and how it presents and um, more uh, accepting of neurodivergence, because I think it's definitely a conversation yeah. that's happening more and more. Um, and hopefully, you know, all of the amazing stuff that you're doing, um, will help to kind of educate people a little bit. Yeah, and I think um, we've got a generation now. Our our kids are probably, I mean, arguably, the first generation of children and young people who are being diagnosed in childhood more broadly. Yes. Or identified in childhood more broadly. Yeah. So we've got kids who are hitting adulthood who know what it means to be neurodivergent before they're in their 40s. And there's there's definite value in that. And they can you know? advocate for themselves as well. They can say, actually, yeah. you know, this is what I need. Um, yeah. And and, yeah, and also they can regulate themselves because they're aware of it mm -hmm. and they, they have those accommodations, hopefully at school. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. because that is, that is on my mind in terms of thinking about how, it's, yeah, how, how that plays out, how my kids will grow up to be neurodivergent adults and what they'll, be capable of and what they won't be you know won't won't find so easy to navigate um but i think yeah. I, I i think it's a good thing to surround yourself with people who are going to be honest and you know if you can understand that where that honesty comes from sometimes it's not out of a place of malice but um out of a place of neurodivergency i think that's that's a really positive thing um and i was just thinking that i think <laughs> It would be wonderful if all politicians were autistic. <laughs> you imagine a world where where you could only be a politician if you were diagnosed autistic. So you're basically going to be honest. Oh, we'd much rather we'd get so much stuff done as well, right? I mean, like decisions would be, would be made, things exactly. would happen. We'd much rather yeah. hear from a, a, a politician who says, "Like, I'll be honest, we're exaggerating the economic impact of immigrants." Because it wins votes. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. It looks much better to blame other people than own up to our own reckless spending and financial mismanagement. <laughs> yes. Vote Tory. Yeah. Let's be honest. We're throwing trans people under the bus in the hope that you don't notice that we're shafting everybody who is not earning 100 grand a year. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't necessarily agree <laughs> yeah. with your policies, but I admire honesty. <laughs> yeah. When I watch, like, PMQs and stuff, I, like, it's actually hilarious how 
so few questions get answered. That's where you need the (laughs) bullshit monitor. You you want an autistic moderator going, no, no, you're lying. You didn't answer the question. (laughs) I discovered that um, in meetings with professionals, they don't really like it if you just keep repeating, answer the question, answer the question, answer the question. (laughs) I got told off in a meeting for just saying to a head teacher over and over again, answer the question. You haven't answered the question, answer the question. I was accused by the chair of berating him. I just wanted to answer the question. It's really simple. Answer the question. But I also find there's power for me as an autistic adult advocating for neurodivergent families. There is, um, like, we don't have very many advantages, I think. But so I will play the card when I need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, And if I go into meetings and say, just to make you aware, I am autistic. Um, I do get dysregulated quite easily. I might appear to be angry. Don't look at how I'm saying it. Listen to what I'm saying. let's get on with it (laughs) and it gives me permission to just be as unmasked as I need to be yeah come on bring it on (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to be polite we're here to get work done I love that (laughs) that is great I was once in a meeting with um with Tam and this is something that I'm going to cover in another episode actually um uh with with the LA and uh see Tam is neurodivergent as well and they started Mm. the meeting basically going okay just to be clear we're not going to put him into mainstream. And it was like, oh, wow, you just dropped that straight straight on the table. Like, here is our starting point. I was like, oh, I would never have been able to do that. I'd sort of had to sort of tiptoe up to it and maybe suggest it. And Tam was just like, this is where we are. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. love that. <laughs> it was yeah. inspirational. Like, it just, it saves everyone a lot of time and energy and effort to just be like, I'm astounded by the number of meetings that you have when at the beginning of the meeting you say, so what are we hoping to achieve from this meeting? And everyone just looks at each other. You're like, okay, well, let me tell you what I've come for. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because I know. So um, if you don't know, I'm just going to get what I want. Yeah, (laughs) wicked. For this kid who you're failing. (laughs) There was one thing that I wanted to share with you, which I thought was so funny. And like, decide if you think it's appropriate. So Theo, for a long time, didn't really have a peer group. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a period of time when he wasn't in school and he was he was lonely. And I remember him saying to me, I just want one friend, mum. I'm not I'm not greedy. One friend will do. And it broke my heart. I know, it was heartbreaking. Anyway, he's now at college and he has got this little collection of friends. Oh, great. And they're like all neurodivergent as heck. And like <laughs> they're freaking brilliant. And they have the best time. Great. And they really look after each other. And they all know they're neurodivergent. But he was saying to me, one of his friends has been struggling with something. And he said to me, like, for example, a lie of convenience <laughs> with with my friend. I won't name him because I don't have his permission. But with my friend, um, I can when he's struggling, I can say to him, oh, I'm really sorry. That's hard. Would you like a hug? Please say no. <laughs> 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 and it makes him laugh. And then we move on. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Which I freaking love because I can imagine this kid like breaking his heart over something and Theo being like, oh, I don't really know what to do. Would you like a hug? Please say no. And then they're all pissing themselves laughing. You know, (laughs) I I love that. I love it. Yeah, that is wonderful. (laughs) So I think we've we fully uh, explored the world of honesty uh, in uh, neurodivergent kids. So uh, we'll get on to the next section. It's not all rubbish. 
the next section is the it's not all rubbish section, which is uh, going to be where we look at the positive um, aspects of our neurodivergent kids, um, of which there are many. And we've talked about a lot of positives already. So um, I think their yeah. honesty is a positive in itself, but there's even more. Um, so one of the things I wanted to discuss is neurodiversity champions, which um, yes. I, I'm a big favorite of uh, is, is talking about any people or institutions or experiences you've had where uh, you know your neurodiversity has been completely um you know accommodated have you got any uh, mm-hmm. any neurodiversity champions you want to talk about i mean there are so many but one of the organizations that uh, that i really love like making sure people know exist is a, an organization called mind jam so mm-hmm. mind jam are a uh, independent provision um and they work a lot of the work they do is supporting children and young people who have barriers to attendance so we're either out of school or even our home edit practically all of the kids that they work with are neurodivergent and they do it through online gaming okay so they have like a team a, a rapidly expanding team of mentors who work one-to-one with kids online gaming in like a mentorship relationship so they offer emotional and special educational needs support for children and young people through the things that is their their ways to connect. So they don't force like kind of neurotypical expectations of what is acceptable. They don't do that thing of, oh, you know, well, if they're not doing what you want them to do to turn that take that turn their screens off take their mm-hmm. devices off them they go okay cool we know that neurodivergent kids when they're in crisis or even when they're just in you know searching for joy a lot of the places that they'll find that will be on online gaming so they make safe places for them to build relationships with adults who they can trust to bridge that gap which i think is freaking glorious they do amazing work amazing work so they're called mind jam um and they work nationally yeah and um Dan, who runs them, is amazing. Yeah. And they also, so they do, they have online mentoring, but they also do have um, counsellors on their team as well. So that when a child or young person has built a relationship of trust, you can then have them have some mental health support as well. But they work predominantly with PDA, autistic, ADHD, kids with trauma profiles. And the work they do is transformative. And it's all like the kid turns up and they're like, right, so do you want to do Fortnite, Minecraft or Roblox (laughs) or something else? Um, Yeah. And I've seen amazing things happen through them. So that sounds fantastic. Okay, yeah, I will definitely check those out. Thank you. Um, Also, it's worth mentioning EOTS Matters as well. Um, neurodiversity champions definitely so yeah so uh, actually yeah just tell us a little bit about EOTS Matters which is your own organization yeah organization sounds so grand doesn't it sorry disorganization is that handful of support staff (laughs) disorganization car crash that is a limited company um so yeah our our work my work the work of me and the people who I work with is to support parents and carers of neurodivergent learners who maybe have barriers to attendance so it started off with helping people get EOTAS packages but it's really grown Mm -hmm. so what we do now is that we help parents and carers of neurodivergent kids to understand like uh, low arousal approaches trauma-informed practices you know low demand parenting advocating for their kids their rights 
their, you know, uh, what they can ask for, the EHCP process. And we also run, um, once a year, we run a program called NeuroCurious, which is for adults of parents and carers of neurodivergent kids who themselves think, oh my God, maybe I'm neurodivergent. Okay. And we do a 12-week program where we're like, oh, come on in. Yes, let's show <laughs> you just how autistic you really are. Yes. Um, and it's something I'm really proud of. So yeah, yeah so wow. we have an online membership for parents and carers called The Marble Run, where we have regular guests, Q&As, a bank of resources and trainings on everything to do with neurodivergence, EHCP, SEND provision, um, education, low-demand parenting, trauma-informed approaches. Um, yeah, and, and I'm really proud of it. We've yeah, worked really hard and we've be. got it's incredible fantastic. people working with us. having a rummage around your website and it's just packed with loads of amazing stuff so um if any of our listeners want to check that out it is www.heidimaver.com isn't it yeah or if you just search heidi eotas you'll find me uh, uh, i will put the link in the show notes so that everyone can act and access that as well um i've got a neurodiversity champion that sort of touches on what uh what i mentioned earlier when we went to see the totoro uh at the barbican because that was an amazing experience and i just wanted to kind of give a uh, shout out to the barbican for that um it's not on at the, at the moment but they they had a relaxed event and it was a saturday matinee and it was sort of lights were up and the noise was down a bit and uh it was so nice to just be in a theater space where my child could fidget and and make yeah. noise and talk and not be shushed or you know all kind of judged it was really lovely to be able to have that experience what was also amazing was that they had it was a signed uh they had a sign language interpreter on the stage and normally if Mm -hmm. you see that kind of thing they're sort of stuck at the side just signing at the side were they like integrated they were integrated it was amazing yeah i love that i love that it was so good because the the, like the kids were sort of interacting with them like that she was some kind of housemaid or something so she was in like an extra character yeah and they were having little signed conversations with them separately and it was like it was wonderful and i found out that that was the only performance they were doing and it was so integrated into the whole thing that it felt so natural Mm. it's like this this was just great so i mean yeah it wasn't about neurodiversity but i just it was so wonderfully done so shout out to uh the totoro live show and for the barbican for everything they did there because that was fantastic tiny epic wins okay so we're going to do some tiny epic wins now um so tiny (laughs) tiny in the neurotypical world but epic in our world so have you got any tiny epic wins for us heidi I mean, we have so many. Um, <laughs> like, I was listening to some of your other episodes, and what other people have said is that, you know, when you're a parent in a neurodivergent household, how you measure wins are so different to everybody yes. else, especially yes. if your child or young person has been in crisis. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, Theo was very, very poorly for about two years. Um, really unwell, frighteningly so. Mm-hmm. So the things that are happening now for him feel like massive step forwards um massive steps forward rather so I was thinking about this and there are lots of little things but this feels like quite a big thing but it's it's like extra extra big um so he has never been able to manage public transport like if you ask him about buses he'll tell you about when he was on a bus once when he was nine years old 
and there was a chicken drumstick down the side of the seat and now he can't get on a bus <laughs> because of that okay <laughs> right which you know like yeah okay cool uh buses are chicken drumstick nightmares so yeah but anyway so it's something we've been working on with him mm-hmm because he wants to be able to do that. So his occupational therapist and his support mentor have been working a lot. And it's been about him building his confidence around not just being expected to get on the bus, but having the confidence to book a ticket and to know where he wants to go and to have a reason for going there rather than yeah. just getting on a bus because someone says you need to be able to get on a bus. Yeah, you know? of course. Mm-hmm. Um, over the summer holidays, he and his friends, um, he went on the train to leads from wakefield where we live yeah which is like a 10 minute train ride and then he got off the train walked to the bus station met his friends at the bus station bought them all tickets and they all got the bus to amazing York, which is freaking massive he bought them you know, all tickets as well massive. he's like i've got this he bought he planned the journey he was like i don't know if he paid for them he probably did he's <laughs> we have to do some work on money management he's like oh okay. money lego amazing one step at a time though heidi <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a working process yeah, yeah and he's now talking about that he maybe i could get the bus to college because i've been oh, driving him wow. to college for 18 months and he is talking about well no he is committed to going away to university in september which is messing with me big time yeah and wants to live in but he was saying that his friend it's his he says oh it's my friend's birthday in january um and we're gonna i'm gonna go to sheffield on the train we're gonna get a hotel and mum, i'm gonna get drunk <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, I think before I go to university, I should find out what kind of a drunk I am. Because you're a mean drunk and my dad's a funny drunk and I kind of want to know which one I am. So I've just got this. I'm like, the only thing he'll drink is Malibu and pineapple. So I have this vision of him like going to Sheffield and being in a hotel room with his mates, just getting absolutely wasted. But honestly, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm like, you're 19. It's time. It's It's time, time, son. I'm really proud of you for planning in your drunkenness you know, with people who are going to be safe around you to work out whether that's something you want to pursue further. So, yeah, that's a mini win for me. My kid wants to go and get shit-faced in Sheffield. <laughs> I want to progress. revisit that in the future. We'll see how that went. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. I mean, it could be all kinds Thank of messy, you. but... Yeah. That's the point, though, right? If it's not messy, you haven't done it right. <laughs> No, and like there's there's a blessing in the fact that he's 19 and he's never been drunk yet. I mean, yes. God, I was passed out in hedges when I was 12, so he's winning at life. I mean, I do worry. I mean, Jay is going to probably want to drink at some point. And the thing about alcohol is that it makes you lose your inhibitions. He doesn't have any inhibitions. What the fuck is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be carnage. Well, if I'm anything to go by, I can give you some horror stories, but it probably wouldn't make you feel better about it. No, let's, let's not... <laughs> It's not going no. there Um My tiny epic win is uh, we've discovered bamboo socks. Do you know about these? Oh. So, so <laughs> are they soft and no seams? They are soft and seamless, and I yeah, cannot believe great. I cannot believe it's taken me so long to be um, to be shown the the light um, because all of my kids have massive issues wearing socks and. Jay's yeah. issues wearing socks meant that there were certain shoes that he he refused to wear um, because he mm-hmm. wouldn't. And I realized now that it was the socks that were the issue, not the shoes. Um, so mm-hmm. he would wear Crocs everywhere. And I had to find all kinds of varieties. You can't wear Crocs going to school. Um, and uh, I mean, he can now. Just let him get on with it. But, I mean, you can, but yeah. 
Yeah. Who wants to have to fight for that reasonable adjustment? Really, no, exactly. when we've got everything else going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but then someone I, I saw on one of a, one of the groups on um, one of the Facebook groups, the mascot group, um, which is fantastic, and someone mentioned bamboo socks from Sock Shop, and I bought some to t- try them out because also India was refusing to wear socks as well. Um, so I was like, well, I'll try these. And now they, they, I don't even need to ask them to put their socks on. They just put them on and they love wow. it. And it's like, that is a massive game changer. I mean, of the myriad battles I have to fight in the morning to get them to school, that has removed one skirmish. So I'll take it. What the flip? Okay, we're going to do the, uh, my usually my favourite section, which is the what the flip section of the show just because i get to get stuff off my chest that i've been sitting on for a while um, so have you had any um any particular what the flip moments with theo recently i mean yes so many i was thinking about so these are those moments where you're like where did that come from and yes how, and i don't know like, how to respond yeah. Yeah. yeah so there was one like he do, he says funny things all the time um but I, it, it was one that gave me a real insight into how his brain works. Mm-hmm. He recently has been able to do cooking and he's basically taken over the cooking for the household. So he can cook and he can do a little bit of cleaning up as he goes, but he can't manage dirty dishes. Okay. Um, and he can't manage like washing up or even touch dirty plates. And he said to me the other day, he was eating a packet of crisps. And he'd finished the packet of crisps and he put, he'd literally just put it down, just put it on the table. And I said, Theo, put your crisp packet in the bin. And he went, no, mum, I can't touch it. It's rubbish. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, uh, uh, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) Literally within seconds of him putting it down, it had transferred from being some kind of like magical transformation. (laughs) From being a receptacle whereby to eat crisps to being something so dirty he couldn't touch it because it was rubbish. And it gave me that moment of like, this is what the cooking thing is about. This is what the washing up thing is about. When we go out to eat, after he has finished his meal, he needs for us to move the plate away really quickly because a dirty plate makes him really anxious. Oh, that's interesting. But while he's eating off it, it's fine. And it gave me a real like, oh, okay, all right. So the crisp packet was, I was just like, and I had a moment when I was like, are you shitting me? Like, is this you just trying to? Are you just being really lazy? Right, but, but I looked at him and he I was doesn't like, he's lie, not lying. Right? We know he doesn't lie. No. We've established this. I was like, <laughs> he's, he won't touch that now. It's rubbish. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and then I was like, oh God, this is going to be I fun when you're yeah. an adult living on your own. But yeah, that was my what the flip moment this week. That's what about wonderful. you? Um, I've got a few. Um, <laughs> well, one, of the, one of Jay's phrases to describe Otto, who'd, um, who'd hurt himself again. <laughs> He, Otto can hurt himself in an empty room. It happens very often, and he'd hurt his knee. And Jay just kind of looked at him witheringly and then turned to me and went, his knees are weaker than French toast. <laughs> where is that from? Oh, I freaking love that. I don't know where he gets That's amazing. <laughs> um, I love that. And then uh, one I love of the... That. 
one of the other ones. Again, his phrasing is just wonderful. Um, when he was like, "Why are you on your phone?" and I and I was I was responding to an email for um, for him actually. So anyway, um, yeah, there was a family support call. Yeah, he doesn't care. He wants yeah, to know no, why he doesn't care exactly. Um, so yeah. I was like, "Look, Jay, our phones. We don't just use our phones for phone calls. You know, they use for other things as well, like um, you know, like emails. Uh, and we use it for maps to find out where we're going." <laughs> And he went, oh, pish posh, the Romans got around without phones. <laughs> pish posh. Pish posh. I've never heard of that in my life, but I know what it means. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. He, my, This is a historical one, but when he said it to me, I was, we were sat and he would have been about eight or nine. Yeah. We were sat in watching TV. And we weren't watching anything that would have triggered this at all. But he just turned to me in the middle of whatever it was we were watching. I went, um, I have a question for you. And I was like, okay. And he went, we've got a cat. Okay. If we were going to get the cat tattooed, what kind of <laughs> tattoo would we get? And then I think a whale. And then just <laughs> looked at me. <laughs> and I was just like... Um, <laughs> there's so much there there's so much like... I, I, I don't know Theo like, <laughs> I'm now just and he was like I'll, I'll let you think about it <laughs> yeah please do I'm going to need a couple of weeks because there's a lot going on there <laughs> okay um, now before we kind of uh, close the show uh, I always like to ask my guests to talk about their, the best things about their kids so what's your favourite thing about Theo? I mean, he forever cracks me up with, mm -hmm. and it's, and he now is of that age where he is intentionally and confidently funny. Mm -hmm. For a long while, I was like, does he know how funny he is? <laughs> like, am I laughing at him or yeah, with him? Yeah, yeah. But he, um, one of the things I love most about him is that he, is super kind so like and he's like my little like I joke all the time that he's the responsible adult in our house you know like he's the person who's mostly holding it all together so this is a what now. yeah this is a whatsapp message from him yesterday um please can you put the hot water on I'd like a bath um also eat some food there's wraps in the fridge also have a drink and don't forget to take your meds love you Oh. That's from him at like half past nine yesterday morning in a break between his lessons in college. You've reached <laughs> the tipping point, Heidi. He's parenting you now. When he goes to university, I'm going to be absolutely stuffed. Absolutely stuffed. Um, so, yeah, I love that he's hilarious and he really takes care of me. Like, yeah, that's, that's really a win, lovely. right? Yeah, that's a massive win. Yeah. So that is it for another episode of uh, Neuro Shambles. Um, before you go, I would like to just uh, divert your attention to the socials. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Reddit and, and Threads. Still not X. That's not going to change. Um, and obviously, if you like what you hear, please follow us on all the socials. Like and word of mouth is probably the, the thing I would urge you to do. If, if you think someone else can benefit from this, then tell them uh, about it and and spread the word. That'd be great. It'd be good to push us up to pass the 124th best parenting podcast in Hungary. 
Uh, I'm going. I'm going for. I want to break the top 100 at some point. So particularly for our Hungarian listeners, <laughs> pull your finger out. But other than that, I just want to say massive thank you to Heidi for coming and joining us and sharing your neuroshambolic households with us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. It was fun. Good, good. Um, and check out Heidi's website. Everything's going to be in the show notes. Everything we talked about, Yatus Matters and Your Child Is Not Broken, which is a brilliant book. Uh, and all that remains for me to say is thank you so much for listening and have a nice life. Bye.